0: Welcome, in this episode we'll be debating whether politicians really want us to pay on time or is it just lip service. Welcome to the Working Capitalists. Hello, my name is Brian Shanahan. I'm the founder of Informative and TermsCheck.com. I've been working in the subjects of working capital and procurement for approximately 25 years all over the earth.
1: Hi, my name is Lane Burkett. I'm from Arizona. I've been working closely with Brian and with Informa on working capital projects in all corners of the globe. Politician, what is their real expectation uh, when they talk about passing laws, rules, regulations around payment behavior, of organizations, payment behavior of large corporations to small companies, payment terms that are regulated. What is all this fuss that we hear about payment terms? Why is it important? And why is it important to the politicians? Uh, Brian, I'm going to let you go ahead and start off on this. In Europe, uh, the attitude is significantly different, I would say, than in the US.
0: Uh, most definitely. I think in the US, and we've talked about this before, it's, it's pretty much a non-issue, yeah, or at least. If it is, no one's talking about it. Whereas in Europe, this has been on the journalistic agenda probably for at least 20 years, probably a little bit more than that. And my observation here in Europe is that in that period of time, There's been several pieces of legislation and uh, certainly right across the European Union, you know, imposing maximum terms and some countries have gone much stricter and you're legally allowed to charge interest for for overdue payments and all sorts of stuff like this. So the the laws are on the books, but they're pretty much not enforced uh, at all. And you even see different interpretations of the same rules in different countries but the problem in europe has been that you have many many different payment cultures so for instance if you are in sweden yeah uh it is very very common for people to pay promptly probably on or around the 30-day mark yeah and it is commonly accepted that if you pay late you will get a subsequent invoice uh for interest on that late payment and people pay them yeah but Mm -hmm. then if you went to uh you know Germany, yeah. Um that might not be true at all. And the payment term culture is different and the culture around do you pay late, do you pay early is different. Uh and even though the same laws exist for for uh, uh late interest on on uh, on overdue payments, nobody does it. Absolutely nobody, yeah. It's a great way right. to end the trading relationship. So um and then you know the contrast in Europe is then you you get into southern Europe, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, all have exactly the same basic legislation as the northern european countries and it is routinely ignored routinely you yeah? know so you have to ask the question to say that uh, there's lots of politicians in different countries that are you know they want to say something that's pro-business and particularly pro-small business because there's millions of them those you know it's same in the united states you know the You know, more than, more than 60% of all people who are employed by a business are employed by small business of probably less than 10 people. Um, and and that's, that kind of goes all over the world. So there's, there's lots of votes, you know, in saying, I'm going to do something. Uh, the problem is that, uh, you know, they say they're going to do something, then they on paper do something. It just turns out that it, it rarely has any real effect.
1: Because especially with a small business, I mean, uh, you and I both operate our own small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have an important customer, how hard are you really going to push them if they pay late? You know, if it's a reasonable amount late and you need that business or you're expecting to have business with them in the next five years, they're a core part of your business, then how much are you really going to push and try to try to uh, get those laws enforced? because it's it's just not good for your business in the long term they'll just go somewhere else is is the fear for a small business i, um, but- I kind of ha- i half agree
0: with you because uh um but in my personal experience i mean since 2012 uh the number of invoices that have been paid late more than about maybe four or five days is zero yeah mm-hmm. and and the reason is because uh, and, and this is half the reason also for lots of small businesses all over the world not being paid on time is they don't invoice properly simple things like does everything add up on the bill yeah you'd be surprised how often that happens a uh, simple thing in uh, you know did you ask for a purchase order number did you send your invoice to the right place yeah uh, there, there's a whole bunch of things that you can do as a small business which means that you're you're actually going to delay your own payment because you did something wrong and something very simple and this is extremely prevalent uh, and that's why for me I always check beforehand where do I where am I sending the bill you know how does it get authorized so do I need a P- PO or not uh, and any other you know kind of regulation type thing which I may have to comply with you know, some countries if you don't do the paperwork properly uh, there'll be withholding tax involved mm-hmm. it's easy to avoid if you know what you're doing but um, but it, it all comes part and parts of the same thing. If you take the right steps up front, uh, then this will be a nice, simple, smooth process. And if you don't, um, well, then you know you're going to end up with a problem. And particularly mm-hmm. as a small business, that having a few thousand of overdues is a major issue, unlike an mm-hmm. corporation. Yeah.
1: You know? And collections is the other piece. A lot of small businesses are are reluctant to um, proactively work on collections to, for instance, when I have a, a new, uh, customer that I'm working with, I always proactively talk to people, all of the things that you were just talking about, making sure the PO has been authorized, making sure it's scheduled for payment. If, uh, uh and oftentimes what I find is that the buyer doesn't have visibility into the payment schedule. They don't sure. know whether it's scheduled for payment or not. And so the person that I'm dealing with can't tell me that. And just asking the simple question, well, is, can you put me in touch with somebody in AP ahead of time so that I can find out whether, whether my invoice is scheduled to be paid? Because that's a, it's a very reasonable request, but they can't answer it. And in large companies, it's not at all unusual for some hiccup, something to, to get dropped or or to fall down and and for a scheduled uh, payment to be missed simply because it wasn't on anyone's radar. So you just have to, as a small business, you just have to make sure that those things are being paid attention to. But we're moving a little way from our topic. But the same Is- thing
0: happens in big businesses as well, particularly service-driven businesses. I mean, I can remember... Uh, uh, with a previous employer um that I was working with a client for nearly six months and uh, and they hadn 't paid a penny nothing yeah and of course i didn 't know about it you yeah? uh, until it got really really serious And i had I had like one of the senior directors of the company call me up and say hey what 's going on i didn 't know anything and it turned out that there was one guy in the client's fi- finance department who'd never heard of us, you yeah? know so he didn 't prioritize this on the on the payment list, and that was the only problem yeah? and then it was all, it was all good after that, but if I'd known months earlier it, this this would have been fixed very easily
1: right and it, and so sometimes it 's just finding that uh, information so that you can deal with it and and proactively for small businesses is important to stabilize the cash flow. But, but what we were talking about, do politicians really care about these issues? Is it something that they 're really trying to Help improve, or is it only is it only in lip service? Because we don't see any real penalties being exacted on companies that are not following best practices or even following the legislation. Well, uh,
0: there there isn't, unfortunately. Uh, I think that there, there are some people who are making some serious efforts. Uh, for instance, in the UK, there's a there's a charter called the the, the prompt payment um initiative they are basically companies volunteer themselves to register and they have to follow certain good practices uh, and if they don't they they get uh, scrubbed off, off the list publicly name it. Mm. and uh, and that that has had some impact it definitely has had some impact but uh what, one of the problems um with another piece of actual legislation in the UK is they're now trying to force companies to report uh Exactly how much they pay suppliers on time, and with you know quite a bit of detail sitting behind it. But unfortunately, the legislation was very badly written, which means it's it's almost impossible for companies to comply with it properly because they don't know. Um, and, even, and even they ask their auditors, who you think would would uh, have a handle on this, and they don't know either because the legislation was drawn up so badly. Yeah, you know? and, and there's actually now discussions going on uh, to see how this can be amended, but I mean that could take several years.
1: And so even even when uh, uh, people are trying to do the right thing, it's not always easy for companies to comply. It can be very expensive for them to try to comply. And if it's not necessary, they're not going to invest in that. Even yeah. companies who are trying to do the right thing, shall I put that in air quotes, do the right thing. <laughs> and, and one of the interesting things to me is how little discussion there is in the business press in the US on this same topic. Payment terms are still a little bit all over the place in the U.S. I find more and more companies starting to extend out their payment terms to their suppliers looking for uh, 60- and 90-day terms where 30 days used to be okay, especially for small businesses. There used to be kind of a buy for a small business. If you were working with a large corporation and their standard payment term was 60 days, all you had to do is ask and you'd be on 30, right? Because... It wasn't big enough, uh, amount of spend for them to, to really impact their working capital. And so it was easy for them to slide that by. But honestly, with new systems and the, the new exception reporting processes they have in place, it's more and more difficult for buyers and AP departments to, uh, have those kind of exceptions.
0: I'd, I'd add to that, Lane, that, that, and this is particular to the U S. Is uh, you know lots of your your large FMCGs, and I'm not going to name them for legal reasons. Yeah, you know, uh, almost every single one of them have supply chain finance processes where they're pushing terms out to you know 120 days plus in some cases. Um, which if you were to in Europe that would be deemed either at minimum aggressive and possibly illegal. And uh, in the US, uh, you know these these schemes have been implemented. Uh, where technically they're supposed to be voluntary for the supplier. They're not really, yeah, uh, although, you know, it's not actually written down that you have to do this and you have to do that. But people know they're going to lose business if they don't sign up. And and this creates additional pressure on the whole supply chain because you have to pass it down the line or else, you know, there's going to be one person holding the working capital camp, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, eventually, that gets down to the small guy, you know, the mom and pop, Yeah. And, uh, and they're the people who are least able to afford this. They're least able to obtain cash flows that will cover this, which, uh, you know, it, it, it just turns it into a, a negative cycle. Whereas what, what I'm seeing more, particularly in Europe is where things like supply chain finance are being used to try and support the supply chain, not to squeeze it. Imagine all those mom and pop businesses where uh, their number one creditor is the bank. But that also means that credit for them can be difficult and at at best expensive, where you get the bigger company then trying to help the smaller company to say, okay, how can we help you finance yourself so therefore you can provide a better service to us?
1: Ideally, that was supposed to be how supply chain finance was supposed to work, but it doesn't always work out that way, does it?
0: True, unfortunately. You know, If we look at people's accounts uh, of all those major FMCGs and their cash flows look wonderful – You know, I mean, nobody really knows how much of that is accounted for by supply chain finance deals. Um, And and some of it in the US is very, very big. And we're talking about household brand names that people are, you know, taking home from the supermarket every day of the week. Yeah. In in the US, there's no legal limit in many cases to what these companies can do. So as long as they can get a supplier to accept it, well, then it goes. Yeah. And the European approach has been quite different. Um, this actually started in France 10 or 12 years ago, uh, where you had lots of small suppliers and they were complaining that the big corporations had them on long payment terms. And they've actually brought in a whole realm of very detailed legislation yeah? um, down to, depending on what you supply and if it's refrigerated goods, it's even shorter terms and all sorts of stuff, Yeah, um, where there politically it was taken quite seriously. But to be fair, I think the eye's been off the ball for more than 10 years. You know, so that's the other problem with politicians is that when they're paying attention to something, uh, they can do a good job. But uh, but then they move on to the next thing and they forget all about it.
1: Yeah, well, we've talked a lot about uh, Europe and the US. Do you have any uh, experience working in this area in Asia? And are you aware of the legislation that's uh, being developed there? Because it's been kind of the wild east. Uh, there when it comes to payment terms in business, but things are um, coming under more scrutiny and more control over time as the markets develop. Uh, which direction do you see them going?
0: I would guess, uh, I think it's slightly different country by country. I mean, I'll give you an example. So if you go to uh, Japan, yeah, uh, there's been legislation in place for a long, long time yeah, to protect small suppliers so that, where where the normal payment term in Japan is 90 days for large companies trading with each other, if you're below a certain size, the legal limit is 60 days. And it is enforced, yeah. Uh, you know, the Japanese are pretty good at following the rules like that. So so that's one situation. But if you went to Korea, yeah, the big Che Balls there, uh, the usual term is 90 days, and then on ninety day 90, you don't receive your money you receive a permissory note for another 90 days yeah um, so it's really 180 days um, and for the smaller businesses in Korea they have far less access to bank credit and the chaebols basically have almost all of it uh, and this means that you have a, a massive distortion in that market where there is no legislation in place but if there were you know all of Korea's largest companies uh, would be hurt very badly because this, this has now been going on for several decades. So it's kind of institutionalized. I think where, where it's different is if you go to mainland China, the, the payment term cultures are, they're still evolving simply because as a modern economy, it's much younger than all the others. Yeah, you know? So sometimes they're accepting practices from people they're importing from or exporting to. Um, sometimes you have internal Chinese practices, uh, they have their kind of promissory known stuff going on as well, which is, I think, uh, not nearly as safe as, say, what you see going on in Korea. I haven't seen very much in terms of legislators across Asia uh, stepping in in any big way to try and regulate this uh, from the point of view of any, of any kind of fairness, um, because I don't think they perceive it as that much of a problem yet, simply because... Uh, you know, the tradition is, you know, are we doing the revenue? Are we making the profits? Well, yeah, they are. Yeah, Uh, and they're not too worried yet about whether they're getting paid for it or they don't see it that way. Yeah, Um, but I'm sure that time will come because payment terms in Asia or many countries in Asia are a lot longer than, say, what you see in the U.S. Therefore, Mm -hmm. the middle guys and the small guys uh, potentially are stretched, you know, much more uh, than you would be if you're in the United States.
1: Right, and credit is getting tighter in a lot of those countries. The uh, view of risk is changing because of the slowdown in the Chinese economy, impacts the entire region.
0: Absolutely, and I think the impact of supply chain finance is uh, having an impact in Asia as well, along with blockchain and all these other things, which is more popular in the Asian market. Well, the blockchain piece is, but if you if you look at supply chain finance in Europe and North America, it tends to be big companies that are availing of this because that's where the profits are for the banks. Whereas in Asia, there is a deliberate focus, uh, particularly in China, of making sure that supply chain finance is available to smaller suppliers. And we haven't seen as much of that in Europe or North America. That will change the stress as to whether there'll be some kind of pressure for legislation at some later point, but up to now, haven't seen anything.
1: I agree with you. I haven't seen anything either in that, that particular area. And the long payment terms there, I mean, I, I have some friends who operate small businesses in China. The long payment terms are are difficult for them, but they, uh, they just have to uh, find creative ways to deal with the fact that they have such long payment terms with their customers.
0: Yeah. Well, I suppose at the end of the day, if we can find politicians that actually, one, know what they're talking about, two... <laughs> Uh, uh actually deliver what they promise and uh and three uh you know what they promise is actually something that's really useful uh then we'll have the problem solved
1: yeah yeah that's no problem we will be in utopia and uh <laughs> everybody will be holding hands and singing kumeya it'll be wonderful absolutely um, <laughs> <laughs> i don't mean to be anti politician uh, it's, it's an important thing for us to realize that when we see a lot of energy in the press uh, looking behind and seeing what the real results are of some of these legislations, some of the, the headlines, is there really an impact for our businesses or not, I think is a, a relevant question that we need to ask and we need to to always remember that uh, just because something is legislated doesn't mean it's enforced.
0: Well, the only, the only thing I can say is in the last 20 years of various different elements of legislation all around the planet, yeah, uh, I have seen no material impact whatsoever in terms of payment behaviors, in terms of company balance sheets, absolutely nothing.
1: You have been listening to The Working Capitalists.
0: Thank you for listening. Look out for our next episode, which will be coming soon.